Welcome to the RF Elements Unlicensed Podcast. I'm Caleb Nauer, and this is Tassos Aliexu. What's going on, Tassos? What's going on, Caleb? How are you? Good, good, man. Just uh, here doing another podcast and living the life. So. Yeah, definitely. I'm excited. I'm definitely excited for today. We finally have our first Wisp guest on the show, so that's going to be awesome. I'm excited too, man. So let's go ahead and get to it. So today we'll be talking with Spencer Post at SJP Network Solutions. So let's go ahead and hop to it. Yeah, definitely. Let's let's rock and roll. All right. Now, Spencer Post from SJP Network Solutions. What's going on, Spencer? We really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy, busy day and having a conversation with us. Absolutely, Caleb. I, uh, I'm glad to be here. So Spencer, we've known Spencer for a long time, long time customer, long time industry member. I mean, he's he's been around for a while. And those of you that are active in the various Whiffs talk lists and other Facebook groups and things like that, you know, you've seen Spencer around. So thought we do today is have this conversation. If you can kind of give us a, a history of how you got started in the industry, how your business operates now, the couple of different sort of big branches that you do, some interesting things that folks might not understand about your business, and you know, anything else of interest. I mean. And the the forum is definitely yours. Okay, absolutely, Caleb. So um, years ago, back in like 2006, 2007, I worked for a, a WISP back in Texas. Um, and it, it, it was a summer high school job. Not not Didn't think much of it. Later on, I got into IT support. So about 10 years ago, I started a managed service provider IT support business. Back then, it was just a break, fix it. We try to have a shop and, uh, you know, people bring their computers over. But at that point, the market was quickly moving to managed services. So we quickly migrated our, our business to managed services. Then about seven years ago, we picked up a warehouse with uh, office space. And we were looking at the cost of Internet for businesses. And it was like astronomical. So... We found a tower in the middle of town that was foreclosed by a bank and we got a hold of the bank and we ended up connecting my parents' house, my house and the business by a cable connection through the tower. Um, and since I had started a WISP or worked for a WISP back in the day, we said, hey, let's start making money for, out of this. And it was actually very um, helpful with our MSP because when we were going against contracts with other customer, with other businesses, we were able to leverage free backup internet from our infrastructure. And that's actually how we ended up growing out our IT services and the WISP at kind of the same time. Oh, that's, that's a cool, cool sort of plan. So who are you competing with in the local area for these businesses, your traditional like cable operators or DSL or uh, cable operators, DSL, and then IT companies that are aggregates as well. Okay. Okay. So, sorry, waylaid you there for a second. So you, you can get back to it. I was, I got tripped up by the, the foreclosed tower by the bank. And I'm like, you know, I don't know if I've ever heard of that before. So <laughs> that's actually a pretty, pretty cool, uh, stumble across there for sure. For about four years, then we moved towers. And then I got like two years later, I got a call from the president of the bank who was like, Hey, do you want that tower? 
and we ended up taking it down years later uh, and, and, and taking it back to our warehouse. So, yeah, it's funny. It's, it's definitely a new kind of a, a new spin on kind of how you got into the wireless business, which everybody has their own unique story. But it always ends. It always starts with, you know, hey, there was no Internet provider in our towns. And I was the tech guy. So I said, hey, why not like try this out? But uh, definitely like, hey, there was a tower for sale and I needed Internet. And let's just hop on there and see what happens. So that's that's different. The uh, the realtor was confused. He had no idea what <laughs> how to price it. Like he he was like, uh, I've never had this request before. Um, but but we worked out a deal, um, and so that's that's what started our internet service, Blue Broadband. Um, and it it still took a few years for us to build enough customers to kind of uh, for it to be its own thing. Um, for years, our IT support business covered the bills for the WISP, um, as, as many, many businesses. And in the, actually since COVID started, uh, they've kind of leveled out and our, the WISP is about to start making more money than the IT support side. Nice. So, yeah, yeah. And that's definitely where we're wanting to take the direction is to be more internet centric than support centric. Um, but we still, you know, IT support is a very lucrative business as well. Very cool. So what area do you guys serve? Because you're down in the panhandles, the panhandle of Florida generally. We're the Florida panhandle. And so we have two different kind of coverage areas. Our IT support coverage area covers like six counties. And, uh, you know, we've got customers hours away. As far as our ISP goes, we're a lot more concentrated in a small area of Fort Walton Beach and Shalimar, mostly Okaloosa County. Okay, yeah, been down there some. Yeah, yeah, and then the vacation area, um, Okaloosa Island, for instance, is one of them, Navarre Parkway, um, and these areas we do MDU, uh, Internet to the Condominiums. So the MDU stuff is really interesting. You know, there's a lot of conversation about that, especially in these touristy areas or high density areas. We see a lot of WIS operators around big colleges and stuff like that. So the and what's so where we're unique is in our market, condominiums have it in their bylaws that the condominium has to be the utility. So it's it's a great opportunity and a difficult opportunity because. <laughs> We, we get the opportunity to get a contract in a condominium once, like once every five years, um, and, and depending on if they're unhappy with the other provider that they have. Um, so, we, you know, it's, it's hit or miss trying to find out when these condominium contracts are up, but when they are up and you get the opportunity to come in, you get a 100% take rate of the building. Absolutely. And that allows you to bring fiber in. Um, uh, we do fiber and wireless kind of a hybrid mix that way. Uh, we can offer them a redundancy. We also do, um, I believe we're the only provider in the area that does uptime guarantees. Cool. Uh, so we give them an opportunity once a year to get out of their contract. If we go below 99% uptime. Yeah. The, the MDU model is something that has always fascinated me and I'm still kind of quite honestly, you know, interested in it. When, when I kind of first came into the industry, you know, the MDU market was really like what I was looking to do 
to kind of start a wisp, right? So I, I started out wanting to be a wisp, and you know, my business model that I had created was based on going into all these apartments, MDUs, and and all, actually at the time, this is 2004. Like the goal was to create the triple play, right? Back then was the internet, TV, and phone, uh, and phone, right? So at that time. VoIP was just becoming a thing, you know, there was, you know, Packet 8, there was Vonage and all these other kind of, you know, uh, new new types of services for home service and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, unfortunately for me, I, I didn't have the money really to to make it happen, which is what kind of drove me to, you know, not where I am today, but the path that I ended up taking was because equipment was so expensive back then, that was my biggest thing was just like, well, you know, I can't do it because of the cost involved to provision, you know, the, the whole complex, right? So I started looking at, well, you know, how can I make this or how can I get this equipment cheaper and stuff? And that's kind of how I ended up going into product distribution later by doing all this research into who the vendors are, where their product comes from and stuff. So it's it's really cool that you're actually doing, you know, kind of, you know, one of the things that uh, I really wanted to do. That's 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 awesome. And that's cool stuff. Uh, yeah, that, awesome. that is absolutely awesome. Um, you know, it's we have a lot of challenges and that most of these buildings are 1970s. So you have old cat three, no cat five wiring. Um, we typically, one of the ways we win contracts is by offering all of the installation. We'll wire up the whole building ourselves. Wow. And we have a, you know, we have the equipment and the, the manpower to do that. Very cool. So are you, are you doing all the low voltage stuff yourself or do you sub that out? We do sub it ourselves. That? Okay. Uh, a lot of concrete and, and that sort of construction. So I, I speak to it because of experience doing some of these on coastal areas, right? So Absolutely. you would have you would have a neighborhood that would have two buildings and one would be built in the seventies, one would be built in, you know, the mid two thousands. And, you know, they both are up to code, but in the seventies the way they did it was was super concrete and rebar so you know concrete floors concrete walls everywhere and then their sister place next door was traditional so the the structure cabling pulls and stuff like that were a lot easier in the new ones so that definitely presents some challenges i'm sure we we especially have challenges due to hurricane rebuilds so mm. in 2004 ivan took out like wiped out okaloosa island wow. and so all the first floor units filled up with sand the um the refrigerators ended up in the, in, on the, on the road. Wow. And, wow. and so they came in with backhoes and just tore out all the first floor units and then rebuilt them. So we were re, we were restructuring the cable in one building. We get to the first floor and none of the conduit met up. And we ended up having to go <laughs> into the ceiling over find where they had cut down the old conduit and make a new path. <laughs> so there, there's a lot of unknowns we don't really know until we start the project. And then it's like, uh, I wish I would have charged them more. <laughs> that sounds that's like site, fun. <laughs> site survey a, a little bit more detail. So they're like, hey, we put your conduit here. And you're like, well, didn't really tell the whole story. So yeah. now are you doing cable runs to like each unit individually, you know, dropping off a cat five or a fiber port or what does that look like? Yeah, so we go to um, to the Cat Five. Uh, we go Cat Five into the unit typically, and um, so we'll find a chase in the building, 
Um, there's some things I'm going to keep a little secret, but <laughs> we'll <laughs> find a, a, a common chase in the building. And we have a particular two different types that we look for that uh, generally will then go all the way down the stack and we'll start on um, for us on Oakloose Island. It's the seventh floor. And we'll start on the seventh floor and just drill straight down room to room to room, you know, floor to floor to floor to floor. Hmm. And then um, go down to the first floor and connect everything through there. Wow. Now, are you doing, are you doing some of the triple play stuff? Are you mainly focusing on internet and just, you know, putting a router or access point or something? Yeah, we, unit we or? Triple play. In fact, it, it was very challenging in that, like, like the, um, the kind of contracts that we have to do the whole building and that the fact that the association company has to be the utility. Um, they came to us a couple of years ago and told us that if we couldn't bid all services, basically we couldn't do a triple play. Don't even put bids in anymore. Right. Hmm. So it's kind of forced us to the triple play model. Um, and so we, we work with various different TV platforms from direct TV to IPTV, depending on the complex needs. Some of them want a lot more sports that we can't do over IPTV. Some of them don't want the sports and want more, uh, media channels. Um, it, it, it can actually get very ugly watching owners fight over what channels they want. <laughs> What's it like to, to manage, you know, both kinds of businesses, right? Because again, one of the reasons why I had looked at the MDU thing was because you had that captive market. You had a high subscription rate in a small place and you didn't have to travel everywhere. So, I mean, do you have a single employee base that does both your kind of residential business, outdoor WISP business, and then the one that does MDU? Or do you have a two separate kind of, you know, employee types or something like that to manage and operate both sides of that? For us, it's, it's, it's mixed. It's, we do, everybody does each one. We kind of, we try to do our MDUs very much like the home. They get the same router that the home gets, same typical type of configuration. Um, the equipment room may be different, um, but that'd be more like tier three anyway. So right. I would end up going down for that. Um, but as far as to the unit, it, it's, for our guys, it's built exactly like a residential install because they've got a they got a, a wire coming in, a router. They have to set up TV boxes, uh, ATA for phone. Um, so it, it, it's pretty standard. Yeah. So from from the wall plug into the house, it's the same no matter which business it is. From the wall plug to the outside of the house, it's different whether it's blue broadband or you know uh, SJP services or whatever. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, you're, you're doing some residential, you're doing the MDUs, I'm sure you're doing some business stuff. So, I mean, you know, what's that business spread across in terms of, you know, percentages or just rough idea? And are you thinking, you know, as you go into next year, are you focus on more on one versus the other or just seeing where things pop up? Um, so we're, we're primarily about 40, 50% business. Um, and, and that, that's, our, our start has always been, our, our focus has always been enterprise. Um, so I don't, I don't think we're ever going to move away from the enterprise services. We'd like to move a little bit away from like help desk services and focus more on, um, you know, things as a service. 
So whether that be cybersecurity as a service, backup as a service, uh, we want to focus more on the cloud infrastructure for the business than being the one on site plugging everything in. <clears throat> plugging everything in. And mm -hmm. so that's kind of where we're moving towards in the next few years. Yeah, that, that boots on the ground. I've got some MSP experience as well. And that's that can be painful and tedious for sure. Yeah, yeah. And it, as the WISC grows, we need we need more attention to it. You know, it, it's no longer set and forget on the network. Somebody needs to be watching it 24-7. We have so many different components now from, um, you know, Different, different networks, different speeds, different, you know, wireless, whether it's fiber, that it, it, it's become a full-time job versus when IT support was a full-time job and we could really just kind of, the WISP ran on autopilot. So like going a step further from that, I mean, that's yet another thing. So I was kind of curious how you manage the two types of businesses, but I would imagine, just like you said, the managing, management and provisioning of the customers and different services is is quite unique and different across both as well. So how do you how do you manage that? I mean, you know, do you have to monitor your your VoIP, you know, diff with a different application than your IPTV service, different than you know the the internet service and stuff. I mean, do you do you have like an all in one monitoring solution for that? Something proprietary? You using different packages? How do you how do you manage that stuff? So, yeah, it's uh, we used to have something different for every service. And as we decided that we're trying to conglomerate the two, you know, try to move IT and Internet together under one family, uh, we're trying to bring all that into one like status page, for instance. Right. So we do have our VoIP, our Internet um, and our cloud services under one status page um, that we just finished like two months ago. Um, so that's really something we're just now working towards, but, um, it's integrated with multiple ping monitors, NMMSs, um, that are just kind of pinging everything and trying to automate the notification of different kind of clients. But okay. yeah, it, it's difficult. We have three different ticket systems, right? Right. <laughs> uh, we have two different documentation systems. Um, but the key to it being successful, just like anything, is documenting everything. Um, somebody can go behind me on an IT site, look at the documentation, and know exactly what they need to do to solve a problem that we've already solved. So as long as you're documenting everything, it really, things end up being, you know, you think it's all over the place, but it's a lot more simplified than you think. Cool. Definitely a death by dashboard at times where you're like, how many of those? So yeah, I'm sure pulling those together helps. And, you know, I'm thinking about support because of the, you know, how much they're all tied into each other, but also like each leg is different, whether it's the resi versus the MDU and stuff. I mean, that's obviously got to present some challenges for support. So I'm imagining, you know, you guys probably in-house everything. Um, I would imagine, right? So you, you would think so, but we've actually had great success outsourcing different things. So, um, you know, our, our IT help desk is outsourced partially. Tier one and two is outsourced. And um, it's outsourced to a specialized company just for help desk services. Then our ISP support is actually with a virtual assistant service. 
And they really help us out on more than just taking those support calls on IT support. But we give all of our clients a managed router. Uh, we monitor our network darn near 24-7. I mean, I probably sleep four hours a night. So we're always monitoring the network. And we know problems as they appear. So our support calls are probably, we get maybe five, six internet support calls a week. Oh, wow. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, our volume is low. So you're, you're saying five, five or six that can't be handled by the tier one, tier two, so filter down to physically to you or, or direct? That's on, uh, for internet, on our internet side, that's in general. Oh, that's wow, what okay. As far as support. Even better. So very low support numbers, but... We, you know, we have a quality of experience, you know, a QOE service on our network. Uh, it, it's, you know, we, we've invested a lot of money in making sure that we don't have problems that require support calls. If we have a lot of calls, we have an outage somewhere. That's pretty much what it comes down to. Right on. Cool, cool. So, you know, these the with the enterprise businesses where you're providing internet service or, you know, the fiber to the knock or excuse me, fiber to the MDUs and stuff, like how do you guys aggregate all this stuff together? You know, are you are you bringing in your own transport or, you know, how does that work? We're nowhere near a data center. The closest data center is two hours in Mobile and, you know, then you've got to pay out of state fees. So we have kind of built our own mini data center in our, in our warehouse offices. Wow. And so we have DIA coming in there and then all of our customers, all our MDUs fibers transport to us. Um, that way uh, we're, we're going to be getting a second carrier coming in soon. Um, and then that will allow us to aggregate issues if one goes down versus one of the other. Um, we also have businesses, enterprise businesses that come into our data center that get transport from us. And then we share the DIA out to all the customers. That's cool. Yeah, so that's a really nice approach. And that way you can sort of slim it down or pump it up where you need to. And, you know, you're controlling the narrative there for sure. A absolutely. Absolutely. So we haven't quite gotten into the fiber game yet, but. At no point does a customer come to me and say they want fiber. Do I have to say, no, we don't do that. So we, right. you know, that's where we can get the transport into our network, into our data center. And then to the customer, we're pumping them our internet. So it's blue broadband service, mm -hmm. whether it's over someone else's transparent uh, connection. Right. And that hybrid approach, you know, May work out for you best in the long run because you don't want to own all that plant when uh, one of the storms comes through. <laughs> yeah. Possibly some something to consider. You're like my insurance payments are going to be awfully high for this. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that actually, it kind of brings up a point. So you know, when we're talking to folks, one of the things I like to think about are sort of the challenges that might be unique to a given customer or a given area. So you're probably not spending a lot of your time sweating about uh, ice storms and things like that. <laughs> but the flip side of that is you're you're definitely in hur or, uh, Hurricane Alley there. So you know, what do you the the challenges that you guys you know face there? I mean, you mentioned it. You know, with hey, the condos got wiped out in the first floor, and you know those sort of 
challenges. But, you know, besides the obvious sort of thing, you know, how does that play into the challenges you face? What's it mean for when, you know, when you're trying to rely on some of this infrastructure for the transport and stuff? Because there's a lot of areas where it's just so, it gets wiped out so easily. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that, that is a big challenge and that's one that we're still working on. And, um, you know, like I mentioned, bringing in a redundant path, that's going to be helpful. Uh, our, our current path goes West. So we're going to bring in another path that goes East that way. Um, you know, when a hurricane hits Louisiana, Mississippi, it doesn't, it doesn't have the opportunity of affecting our other path. Um, right. You know, and then that's why one of our recipes at MDUs is always bringing wireless in as well, because just in case that fiber infrastructure goes down because of a storm, we can get a dish back up, you know, in in no time compared to what the fiber companies are going to be when they have 300 customers down. Right. And, you know, in their perspective, you're just another one of those customers, too. Yeah, so being yeah. able to bootstrap your own recovery is, is definitely a, a helpful thing to be able to do. And that's where it gives your business a leg up versus a competition. Absolutely. Sure. So, yeah. So how much time how much time do you spend, you know, uh, preparing? I mean, obviously, hurricane season comes at the roughly the same time every year. Right. So what, what's it kind of look like for you as far as preparing for that stuff every year? So it's, we try to, you know, we come spring, we start powering up all the generators and getting that, making sure that they're running and stuff, you know, getting, getting some kind of supplies in. Um, but there's, at least for me, we've had so many false alarms that you could go broke preparing for nothing. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's know, a gamble. It, it really is a gamble. Now, once you've been doing it for, you know, I've been in this area for 10 years now. So once you get experienced for it, it's a little bit more helpful um, because I, you know, now I know uh, it, it's about four days before the storm that we have an idea that it's really going to hit. And that's when you start getting, you know, containers of gas and, and storing them places, moving vehicles and other, you know, other things for us. We have boats the boats out of the water um start going to condominiums and putting more bricks on their uh, on their mounts uh and and start talking to upstream providers and making a plan um but there's you know there's only so much preparing you can do we try to keep we try to you know keep all our dishes tight try to keep everything to where if there is a storm there, there, there's not a problem. So it's, it's a little bit of hurry up and wait and then see what, you know, what you need afterwards. It, it, it's more about the response than the pr preparation for me. Right, right. After the storm, how what you do is more important than what you do kind of preparing for the storm. So there's definitely a lot more to it than just put your data center on the second floor, right? <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> you got to buy all the bread and water from the store. So, you know, that's all we know how to do up here. So. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, obviously, you've got, you know, you there's more prep on a personal level before a storm. Um, and that's you know, that's getting food, getting, you know, making sure everything's gassed up, uh, making sure you have flashlights and, and, and lighting and, and everything. 
Yeah, we know you've been active, you know, helping other WIFs and stuff with recovery efforts, you know, where you can. And I think a lot of that comes from, you know, you've been through enough. You kind of understand, you know, what it takes. So, you know, what do you think helping these other folks out? You know, what I think some of the bigger lessons that you've learned and you could reach out and tell folks, hey, you know, you guys that are potentially running into this, you know, you need to look at this. What, what, what advice would you throw out to those guys? That's a good question. So... Yeah, over the last two years, I've probably probably responded to, I think, seven hurricanes. And, um, yeah, it's it's been a very active two years on the coast here. Um, You know, the big thing is, and and I can't stress this enough for Florida, is be friendly with your neighbors. You're all in this together. Um, So that's my biggest advice is, the people I know who have recovered uh, would have, you know, they were dependent on the people that came in and helped. And it was neighbors. It was wisps in the, in the other county coming in and helping them fix the tower and them going and helping fixing a tower. And it's, it's really about uh, who, you know, who you're, who you have as a resource. So, you know, all the way, all of our, all our wits need to come together as a resource is what I'm trying to say. Definitely. We're definitely stronger together. Right. And uh, yeah, it's, exactly. it's been, and it's been a huge shift in the industry too, right? Where, you know, it didn't matter if you were one County over or, you know, halfway or all the way across, you know, the country, you know, wisps at one point saw every other wisp as a, you know, potential competitor. Right. And now we're seeing kind of this, you know, coming together and, and wisps wanting to help each other and talk to each other. And they know that, you know, there's, you know, there's definitely some strength in numbers and uh, there's a, a lot of uh, stuff that you can learn from, you know, your, your competitor, you know what I mean? So I think the industry as a whole has stopped looking at the fellow wisp as the true competitor or issue and, and have really looked upstream to, you know, the bigger providers that are out there as, as more of, you know, who, who we really are fighting in this, in this game of fixed, you know, uh, wireless internet access, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, what, what I would say to people that do get, get affected by disasters is don't be afraid to ask. Uh, That's, I, I think that's the biggest thing is that, you know, we've built a network of people that want to help each other because we aren't afraid to ask and it's built partnerships. And I can say that these partnerships have extended past the hurricanes and are still active today, helping each other without disasters, you know, and and are quite lucrative as well. So, yeah, Yeah. that's definitely something I think, you know, especially for somebody new in this industry to to really consider is uh, what those relationships bring. Like you like you said, it's more than just helping. Uh, it's helping you grow and, and it's it's opening up other opportunities for, you know, yourself uh, in, in the future and stuff like that. And that's really cool. That's really cool. Well, cool, cool, Spencer. So again, you know, we really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day to talk to us and share your experiences. A lot of really cool stuff that, you know, operators run into. They see different things in different ways and you know, everyone's got their own different way to approach stuff. So in closing here, any, anything else you want to share, promote? You got any new movies coming out or uh, projects <laughs> that you want to kick off and promote as you're, as you're on the red carpet here? Maybe you have a book that you want to sell or something like that, you know? <laughs> 
Um, no, I'll just say, you know, I'm, I'm on Facebook. Uh, most people have seen me or heard from me on Facebook. And, um, if you ever want to talk about any of these things mentioned or, uh, uh, want some advice or help, uh, you know, reach out to me, send me a direct message. I'm available, um, as much as I can for the industry. Awesome. Well, that's great. And the industry appreciates you and we appreciate you. So, you know, anyone out there, uh, again, you know, we're looking for more guests and stuff. You want to share your story, please reach out. We're super easy to find as well. We're on various Facebook with groups. We have our own RF elements page, RF English, Asia, Africa. Uh, you can find us really easily. Toss us at RF elements.com, Caleb at RF elements.com. Uh, we're there. So if you want to talk, just reach out to us. Cool, says, anything in closing here? No, nah, sounds great, man. Thanks again, uh, Spencer, for joining us. It was great. Uh, I've been looking forward to you know having Wisps on here to kind of broaden the discussion and to bring some outside perspective, you know, to this podcast and spice it up a little bit. So it's been great, man. Thanks for joining us. And I guess until next time, stay horny, everybody. All right, stay horny, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>